Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in an era of stakeholder capitalism. Our host, Sir Rob Wainwright, talks with business leaders and experts about their experiences in charting a new direction towards commercial success and greater societal impact. Our special guest today is Ad Krieger, leadership partner at Gartner. He was the Chief Information Security Officer, or CISO, for DSM and the Chairman of the Multinational Information Sharing and Analysis Centre in the Netherlands, until he made his move to Gartner in April 2019, where he now supports various CISOs of multinationals throughout Europe. Ad is also a lecturer at the Universities of Maastricht and Antwerp on the topic of cybersecurity. In 2018, Ad wrote a book on cybersecurity titled A Sustainable Digital Economy, which is what we're here to talk about today. Over to you, Rob. Brilliant, Vaidi. Thank you very much. Warm welcome to you, Ad. Pleasure to have you in our virtual podcast room today. Well, listening to Vaidi's introduction, it's clear you have a bag full of industry experience on cyber. I'm very impressed. Many positions that you've held. You've also written this book as a guide to building this sustainable digital economy. Well, let's start with that, Ad, because I'm intrigued by the parallels you write about in that book between cybersecurity and issues of sustainability. So I just wondered if you could share some of your thinking on that. Yeah, let me start with this. So the reason that I call it sustainable digital economy is that I see uh, a clear parallel. Uh, you could say um, the security and privacy incidents that we say, uh, see today are a modern equivalent of pollution. So in a way you could say where industrial revolution has brought us a lot of prosperity, a lot of new great products, a lot of great uh, comfort, but it also came with a negative side effect, which is pollution. And now we are fighting this climate uh, uh, change. Digitally could say something similar. So digital has come to the world, has brought us a lot of comfort, a lot of prosperity and will still continue to do so, but it also comes with some negative side effects, data and privacy security uh, incidents. So that's where I see the parallel. And that's why I also think that we need to start thinking sustainable and digital as well. That's an interesting analogy, and I've not heard of that before. But of course, it is a kind of the polluting downside of digital transformation, which has been great, as you say, for our lives and businesses. Um, as you explored that in the book, you know, what, what, how did the parallel work in your in your mind? What what sort of jumped out at you? At something as the big learning lessons, perhaps we could carry on into the digital world. And so one of the things that what I have seen also in the industrial world is that we have always looked at the topic of sustainability. That it is either you are very successful in doing business or you are successful in fighting uh, pollution. It's like it cannot be combined. But we also see that many organizations can bring the two together and by that bring new products uh, to the world that bring profit and bring um, uh, better uh, sustainable solutions to the world. So one of the things that that when I was looking at, at, at that, I thought, is that not, so, not something we can do for digital as well? Can we not create this win-win solutions for uh, for digital as well? And then you start looking again, and then you see that some organizations have clearly grasped uh, that. And I, I like to use an example like Apple, setting up an Apple ID solution, which is bringing uh, secure solutions, privacy to, to, to their customers. And they 
show to the world that this is not jeopardizing their success. And, and, and on the contrary, you could say the fact that the prices of iPhones are still high, no price erosion, is showing that uh, that customers are willing to pay a premium for that. And I really believe that by looking at it in that way, we can also start to think more and instead or, uh, of or, uh, in the digital world as well. Yeah, I've I've always thought that the same. Um, I think you also have spoken, you have written about also how there is a more of a negative natural mindset, isn't there, still in the cybersecurity industry where really the currency of our trade is fear. Um, and and that, that needs to change. And, and, and I just wondered, is it changing? I mean, there you are, you know, a very successful company like Gartner, a lot of experience behind you, speaking to a lot of different companies. Are you seeing the, the change according to the, you know, the win-win mindset that you're talking about? Yeah, let me first address your point about fear. Eh? I always learned, even when I was a small boy, boy, my father used to say to me, fear is a bad advisor. And what fear does with us is to that we retract in, back into our silos and then from there on start to protect ourselves. And from that position, um, then it becomes very complicated to uh, to de develop new solutions which are win-win, like I said uh, uh, before. Um, do I see improvements there? Yes, but just a few. Uh, not that much uh, yet. Huh? So uh, one of my members is a, is a bank in France. And uh, what I find interesting there is, is that so far he has always looking at their suppliers, asking all kinds of security questions. Uh, asking for all kinds of assurance reports. And now he sees that also their customers start to ask for it. And now they start to think like, maybe we can make this uh, uh, a point which uh, our customers might like. So they are working on improving their security, creating the, the assurance report on it. And the interesting thing there to see is that this guy is now working with other people in his organization to make this work. But it also means that money comes not no longer from a CIO or risk management, but from a marketing and sales department giving him the money to create these better products which are more safe. I have another member who is working on using security technology to create new products in the market. So they, they are uh, working on protecting intellectual property and they are now using security technology, encryption technology, et cetera, to set, set up new products, which apparently their, their customers really like. And again there, my member tells me, great to see that I'm now working with others in the business on creating this type of products. I have gotten a better understanding of the business and the business has gotten a better understanding on what I am doing with security. And that's great. And it's, it's you know, it's a much more positive outlook on, on, on cyber um, and you know what you're describing with those examples what you've written about is is in essence you know the opportunity for business to create value through security not only to see it as something that has to be stopped as it were in the negative but as also the opportunity to drive successful business 
transformation. You know, it, it occurs to me listening to you that on, on sustainability, going back to that analogy, what we're seeing, particularly in the last couple of years, is suddenly an acceleration of that commitment and mindset around climate targets. And a realization, I think more and more leaders thinking that this is also good for our for our bottom line. It also drives commercial value. So it's the point that you made. It would be great to get to that point on, on digital and cybersecurity as well. But how do we get there? I mean, those learning examples you just talked about you're saying it's not yet you know widespread in industry how do we push this agenda along ad yeah and i think an important thing there what i just said is uh, as a CISO, you have to ask yourself who am i talking to in my organization because from a risk avoidance perspective it's quite logical to talk with your peers in in the it department maybe with your peers in the risk management department but if you really want to create opportunities are these the right people to talk to? And one of the things that we are currently advising as, as, as Gartner anyway to, to our members is try to talk more outcome-driven and business outcome-driven with, uh, uh, with your peers. So try to define what, whatever you're doing to uh, translate that back to what is the business outcome of this? What are you trying to achieve for your business? And from that point on, you might start having conversations outside your normal peer group, start to talk with others in the organization, and then based on that, take steps forward on developing um, solutions which are bringing new business uh, models. And uh, I see with, with, within my member group is that uh, the, the parties that are working on this the most are parties that are maybe by regulation or by any other reason are pushed for it, maybe uh, because they could otherwise lose their license to operate. And there they start to also think about, okay, how can we uh, change this security activities in such a way that it is also providing some new business opportunities for us? Uh, because otherwise, security will always be, be looked at as a sunk cost. And as soon as you look, start to look at it as an investment, this will then also help you to get more traction on the topic of, uh, of security. Yeah, I, but I think at, at the same time, though, we have this backdrop, don't we, of one major cyber incident after another. So um, I suppose it's, it's, it's still difficult and challenging maybe for, you know, a leading bank or any other company to, to, to see this as something that, that there's just a challenge that has to be overcome. Um, so the more and more examples that we had that, you, that, you, that you've been talking about, the, the better, I suppose. It does depend a little bit on on CISOs like you and the people in the cybersecurity world breaking out maybe of their traditional silos. You know, that I've, I've noticed they've not been as well connected across business as they should be. Again, is that changing? Do you think, is there being much better integration into the wider business of, of many companies? What do you think? I guess we are now coming back on the topic of uh, fear. And so if you as a CISO use fear as your driver to convince others, then uh, it becomes very difficult to have long-term relations because at a certain moment, people might say, there's the CISO again, trying to make me scared and force me into some, some activities. So I think if you want to, to make that change, you also need to start changing your language and talk, start talking opportunities with, um, with um, others in the organization. And what we have seen with, and I'd like to make that parallel uh, as well with COVID is, 
if something hit you, a big crisis hit you at the beginning, of course, there is fear, there is a good reason for this fear, and then you need to work on the short-term actions to make, really make uh, sure that you are protected. But you cannot run something like that for a very long time because you're also locking down business. You're also um, uh, jeopardizing all other kinds of things that are no more, uh, more pro progressing. So then, uh, you see it now with COVID as well, then you have to start thinking about how are we going to sustain this for a longer period? How are we going to live with this uh, topic, which will not go go away? How can we improve our resilience as a person? But in, in security, we are also talking about how can we improve the resilience of an organization and by that make sure that uh, we can uh, handle this topic. Because what I also see in many organizations that I support is that people start to tell CISOs of course, I understand security. And I, of course, I see all the incidents happening. But can you please, please, please make this more simple? Um, can you try to make it more user-friendly? Can you make sure that it is more service-oriented? These kinds of improvements are needed as well. Yeah, and much more customer-focused as, as well. And, yeah. and simple to use so that we don't have an update and a new, a new cybersecurity model um, every, every five minutes, of course. I really like your analogy with COVID as well, because what we've seen, I think, add in the health sector, for example, is that, of course, a sudden rallying around emer emergency kind of response for quite a long time, longer than any of us would have liked. But coming out of that, you know, you hear from leaders in that space how it has how an opportunity has been as, as, as presented itself to accelerate digital transformation because of the way in which the impact of, of, of COVID affected the health sector. Now they see they've opened their eyes a little bit, perhaps, to a different kind of way of providing healthcare in the future. So it's a good example. I just want to turn um, also to the subject of data uh, um, and, and how data can play a role in building, as you call it, a more sustainable digital economy. Because here, too, there are these sort of polluting effects of not just data breaches, but also, you know, the danger of overstepping um, the mark in terms of data privacy. So how, how, do you, how do you look at that? Yeah, thank you for that question, because that is a very important one. And um, our research of, of, of Gartner also shows that there is a big need for sharing data across organizations. And one of the reasons why that is not moving forward is because of the fear that uh, data might, uh, might get disclosed in a way that you don't want that. So how I look at this is, is that I see so far, talking about silos, I see in many cases that data is stored many, many uh, times. So there are many copies of the same data. And with that, of course, it mean, also means that all these copies need to be protected. What I would love to see is that organizations would turn around and more or less say, how can we make sure that we only store the data that we really need and leave the data somewhere else if we can simply connect to it. Nowadays, we have internet where we can securely connect to others. So why would we really want to store this data? And you could even say, looking at many issues that organizations have with data is also that data is non-consistent 
or there are master data management departments that are continuously trying to improve the data and never get the data to this high quality, where you could wonder if you could connect, securely connect to others where the data uh, is, is, is more or less born, then you can make processes more efficient, then you can be sure that data is, uh, is of a high quality. And of course, you still have to think about how can I ensure that we can only connect to data that we are allowed to, but that would make life much easier. And we have seen it again with COVID, we have seen it how Various pharma organizations have been exchanging a lot of data on developing vaccines. And with that, um, the vaccine delivery has been uh, done much faster than we used for to. And did they share all information? No, they talked with each other. What data are we going to exchange with each other and what other data is mine? But based on that, they have started with the idea of what data can we share? How is that going to help privacy? Well, privacy, one of the major problems is that a person has to trust another organization that is storing your data. So can we not bring the data back to the person and think of a solution which could be bring your own data and bring your own identity and in that way um, provide access to data to other organizations where needed. It could even help you to make better decisions on products, but the data would stay with you. You would see who has access to it and it would make the life of other organizations much easier because if they don't have the data, protecting data that you don't have becomes much easier. So the idea of digital identity and a digital identity passport, and I know that's something that's been looked at in Again, in the banking sector, um, to aid, for example, anti-money laundering checks to speed it up. Um, you make a more general point, which I think is important here in my experience as well. Um, you know, more proportional use of data, targeted use of data. I think one of the burdens of living in an information age where there is so much data is that it, we companies very often end up with so much of, as you say, low quality value that it is just junk in the system that slows down digital processes. Um, so it's really being focused on what you need and when you need to use it. Um, I think I think you you make some 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 very good points. What about just one final question, Art? We've talked earlier about you know the win win model, seeing how how security can be a, a business value driver. Um, often I think also there is this false viewpoint that people have that there is also has to be a trade off between security and privacy. Surely there's scope here for that to be win-win as well, that one assists the other, don't you think? Yeah, I always say there is no privacy without security, but privacy is more than uh, security. So, um, of course, uh, and, and, and that looks back at what I just said. If you can bring in security technology to help to make secure connections to data, secure but controlled connections to data, then that uh, could also help to improve uh, privacy. Because again, the privacy incidents and the privacy uh, issue is all about the fact that your data is stored somewhere else and you have to trust that that data is, is handled in the proper way. Um, if you can use security technology to turn that uh, model around, that you more or less say, well, hey, you can securely connect to my data, but I am not uh, longer allowing you to store all my data, then you could 
create this win-win situation where organization could have access to your data. And in fact, in my time at DSM, I've been working together with some other companies, just to give this example on how that could work, work together with uh, with uh, some other companies to try to set up this business model where you could have a fully personalized vitamin mix based on the blood sample that you provide. And we were talking uh, together with uh, a company that is doing all these blood samples. We were talking together with uh, DHL as a logistic provider and DSM as being one of the major organizations creating uh, vitamins. And the idea was if you could go somewhere, have your own blood sample stored with yourself and then provide it to somebody else, just the, the access to look at what would be your perfect vitamin mix, your personal vitamin mix, and then connect to DHL to get it delivered to you, then you could set up a business model where nobody knows who you are and you still have a fully personalized product. And the good thing for it was that all the organization only store a piece of your data. They can run all kinds of data analysis on that to further improve their processes, but they still don't know who you are. And setting up something like that, you need to have organizations willing to work together, getting out of their silos, getting out of their uh, thoughts of fear and start thinking opportunities, but do that in a secure and responsible way. Well, that's a very good, another very good example to, to end our discussion with today. And it's great that somebody with your experience, you know, are advising so many companies with this more positive outlook as well. And I think you're a very lucky boy to have had that advice from your father that, um, when, when you were younger as well. I, I like that very much. The fear is a bad advisor. Well, Ad, thanks for joining us um, today. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you, Rob. It was wonderful talking to you as well. So what we've been hearing about today is that fear spreads. And that often seems the case in the world of cyber, where one headline-grabbing ransomware attack or cyber espionage incident is soon followed by another. The impacts on companies grow ever larger, as do their cybersecurity budgets. But as we mature our understanding of what it means to confront the threats involved, that fear is slowly giving way to a more positive and constructive outlook in industry. Cybersecurity, and indeed its close cousin of data privacy, is also capable of driving successful business transformation, of creating intrinsic value. Ad Kricker, one of the most experienced cyber leaders in the business, has shown us how today, as part of a model to build what he calls a sustainable digital economy. Indeed, that green revolution around more ambitious climate targets and more responsible commitments is well underway in business, as we know. And a similar mindset and approach on cyber, geared towards reducing the polluting effects of data breaches and major incidents, and focused much more on a positive agenda of industry-wide change, could bring the same rewards. Let's build trust, not spread fear. That's the essence of Ad's message, and it's a pretty good descriptor too of the virtues of responsible business. Thank you for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune into our next episode. Please review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app or whatever popular podcast app you're using and find out more on Deloitte.nl. See you next time.